0: So I got, I got a message for you guys, and um, I shared this with the youth group a couple weeks back, and it was on my heart, and just it really ministered to me, and I hope it does the same for you. And uh, my title is Jesus is the Source of Rest. Jesus is the Source of Rest. And as I was thinking about this, I thought about Sunday afternoons. That's usually the most restful time of the week for me. And I don't know what it is about Sunday afternoon. Does anyone ever take a Sunday afternoon nap? Anyone ever taken a Sunday afternoon nap? Am I alone? All right, I'm not alone. There's a few of us. Proud to be with you. And there's something about a Sunday afternoon. I don't know. It's like my. It's like the time clock of my body just knows. Like, all right, the week is done. Um, take a nap. And I like I just shut down. I like I all the energy I had in the morning is gone, and I'm just on the couch, just zonked out. And uh, I just nothing I can do to get up. I have to take a nap. Or it's not every Sunday, but a lot of Sundays. It's like it's almost like the buildup. It's like the buildup of the week. I don't know. It just hits me. It hits me on Sunday afternoons. Maybe because I know nothing has to be done tonight. You know, uh, you can take a nap, and I just rest. And I was singing. do you have true rest? Do I have true rest? Do we have real rest? Are we able to sit still and relax and have clear minds? Or are we oftentimes using our phones and different apps and social media things or uh, video games? It can be in sports even and music at times or, or little hobbies at times, which are all not bad things. But do we, do we try to use all these outlets as escapes to try to distract us from the fears and troubles that plague our minds? Are we at rest? Rest, I, me and my brother talk about this a lot. It seems like we're often just trying not to think about things when, when we're trying to rest. We're trying to use the different things on our phones to, to distract us. Are we able to really rest? Not that we're trying to distract ourselves, but that we, are, we understand all the things in our life and we're good with it. We're okay. We can look at and encompass all of our life and say, I'm at rest. I'm at peace. Even though there's things undone, even though there's things that need to be done, even though not everything is perfect, am I at peace? That's what I want to get into today. Where does that come from? And we're going to look at it from the book of Mark and uh, Mark is a wonderful book, and it's dealing with this big question of who is Jesus. That's the big question behind Mark, is, and we don't even the, nobody understands who Jesus is in the story until chapter eight, which is crazy. Halfway through the book, that's when the disciples finally figure it out. And and this this uh, in this book, we're dealing with who is Jesus, what is he doing, and who is he doing it for? Right. And, and this this book is it's incredible leading to the cross, and and it starts out with. Jesus, He He comes from the Father. Right? Well, Jesus it, it introduces Jesus as the Christ or the Messiah, the anointed one, the Savior. He's the awaited King of Israel who's coming to satisfy the desires and the brokenness of the kingdom of Israel, but also of the world. And and, and so when they heard Messiah or Christ, they would have, all these things would have came back. This is the one we've been waiting for. And then Mark starts laying out the story, and, and Jesus he goes into the wilderness. Jesus goes into the wilderness, and he's there for 40 days, and he's fasting, and he's being tempted by Satan. And I don't know if you knew, there's another group of people that went into the wilderness, not for 40 days, but for 40 years. but they failed they failed. Instead of honoring God and serving God and, 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 and being tied to him, they, they complained and they sinned. They, they even rejected God. Just as the relationship was being established, instead they started worshiping a golden calf that they built out of their, their gold jewelry, right? And, and on the first day of their relationship with God, they failed in the wilderness. But not Jesus. He succeeds he, and then not only that, but the, there's another person, there's other couple people that were tempted by Satan face-to-face face through the form of a serpent. Adam and Eve, the first humans, and they failed. They, they succumbed to the temptation. They thought they could become like God. They chose themselves over God. And in so doing, they broke themselves. And, and we see this. Jesus is greater than the people of Israel, as well as the whole nation, right? He, he did what the nation could not do. As an Israelite himself, he is the true Israelite. He is the true Israel, right? And not only that, but then we see the, uh, the, 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 the Adam and Eve. Jesus is the ultimate human. Where they failed to obey God and, and, and resist temptation, Jesus succeeded, He's the ultimate human who is able to not succumb to Satan. He's the only one who's able to resist sin. Mark is setting up the story. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the son of God who's come to not fight the present enemy of that time, Rome, and all the other nations, to set up a geopolitical nation uh, to, to rule a world from Jerusalem and destroy everybody else. That's what a lot of the people back then were thinking would happen from the Messiah. But instead, Jesus came as a suffering servant to defeat a bigger enemy, Satan and sin, to conquer what has been conquering people since the beginning of time. Jesus had bigger things on his agenda the first time he came and I'm thinking about this what is happening so that we can find rest. Jesus didn't just come so that life would be perfect. Jesus came to bring eternal life. Right? And 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 he's he's coming to defeat sin, but why? To restore the relationship that sin has broken. And so Jesus comes on the scene. He goes into the wilderness. He's, he, he does what Israel could not do, and he does what Adam and Eve could not do. And then he's baptized by John the Baptist, and it says that the heavens opened, and, and God said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And the, and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. And then, and so we know this is a special guy. And then after that, uh, Jesus goes, and, and he's, he's healing people, and he's, he's in, a, he's in uh, the father of James and John Zebedee's house, and, and, and in Zebedee's house, right? Actually, I hope, yeah, I'll have to double check that. But he's in a house and, and a, there's a paralyzed man and his friends can't get to Jesus because there's such a giant crowd around them. And, and, and so he, they come, and they lower the, the man through the, uh, through the roof of the house to Jesus. And Jesus sees this paralyzed man and he doesn't say you are healed. He says your sins are forgiven. And I think it outlines to us what is Jesus' main priority. It's not just meeting physical needs in the moment. But it's meeting the spiritual need that broke us from God. And so he says, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees, who are the religious leaders of that time, right, they're they're supposed to be the ones who who, who are models of how to live for God. But they just became a bunch of rule followers who did it mindlessly instead of with their hearts. And, And they see Jesus, they say, only God can forgive sins. And Jesus says, let me prove to you that I can forgive sins by healing this man. And he heals the man. And what he's saying it without saying is, I am God, right? And and he heals the man. And then not only that, but then Jesus goes and he finds Matthew, a tax collector, who everybody in that whole society hated. He he collected taxes for Rome. Rome was the oppressor of Israel. They were the dominant force that was in charge of the region. and, And nobody likes paying taxes, right? But this guy, what tax collectors would do back then was take a little bit for themselves as well. And what would end up happening is they would take a lot of bit for themselves, take more than they needed, more than was supposed to, and people hated him for it. And so they hated Matthew. He was an outcast in his society. And, Ma- and Jesus goes to Matthew's house, and he's eating dinner with him and his friends, sitting with the hated people of, of the Jewish society. And and. The Pharisees say, what are you doing sitting with sinners? Don't you know who these men are? And Jesus says, I came for the sick, not for the healthy. I came for sinners. Jesus came for sinners. And then we have another, another episode where he comes to uh, attention with the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, as well as John's disciples, they, they fasted. They abstained for food and instead prayed and devoted themselves to God right, which is a good thing, and, and in the law of the Old Testament, there's one or two days where you are supposed to fast, especially the day of atonement, right, and it was a way to remember your sins and, and, and to rely on God, that we, we don't depend on food, but we depend on, we depend on God even more, it was good, but the Pharisees, they took those, that one or two times they were supposed to fast a year, and, and they turned it into twice a week, so they fasted a hundred times a year to prove how holy they are, not out, of, not out of a heart of dependence on God. And so they come to Jesus, they say, you don't even fast. You don't even fast. Your disciples don't fast. Why is that? And Jesus breaks down the reason for fasting. Fasting is, for, it's, we do it out of a longing for God, that we know that we're broken and we need him. And we don't have him fully yet. We don't see him face to face yet. We haven't experienced the perfect, the perfect heaven that were promised. And so we long for him. We long for his justice, his peace. We long for that relationship even more. But the Pharisees, they were fasting, and, and Jesus says, Why would they have to fast if I'm here? What they're longing for is with them. The whole reason of fasting is, is to show your longing for God to rejuvenate your heart for the God, and, and there's no reason to fast if you're there, if he's with them, because he is God. It would be like having a picture of your loved one, and, and, and even when you're with them, you're just looking at the picture. No, that'd be crazy. You put the, you put the picture up at your work or at your office or maybe in your car so that it reminds you of them, but you don't look at the picture of them and talk to the picture when they're standing right next to you, Right? Fasting shows our longing for God. So the Pharisees aren't fat, I mean the Jesus disciples aren't fasting because they're with him. And, and, and now we get to this, and Jesus is flip-flopping their whole idea of, of serving God, of, of living for God. And he's showing them the true intention of the Old Testament. That we that we are to be right, that we are to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. That's I mean that's the breakdown that Jesus will give us and, and He's showing them that there's something beyond what they've experienced so far. And we get to this passage. We get to the passage on Sabbath in chapter two, verse 23. And just know this, that there's a tension that's building between the Pharisees and Jesus. The people who should be serving God the best are rejecting him the most. And, and what is going to happen as this comes to a head? Verse 23, on Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? He said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God or the temple in the time of the Abathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is, is not lawful for any but the priest to eat? and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Pharisees knew the law and they made new laws. They knew it was not lawful to work on the Sabbath. They were not supposed to do that. And so they created all kinds of laws that would outline what is the work, what is considered work or not. And one of those laws that they created was harvesting grain. You weren't allowed to do that on the Sabbath. So when they see Jesus work, working by taking grain off the, you know, taking grain, I don't know what grain is on, off the grass, I guess, to, to eat, they, uh, they're like, he's breaking the law. Him and his disciples are breaking the law. And Jesus reminds them, do you not know the story of David, King David, the greatest king of Israel who lived? What he did, he went, not just, plucking grain off of off of a, off of a plant, but he went and he went into the temple and took the bread that only the priests were allowed to eat. the bread of the presence. Jesus is showing him that the true intention of the law was not to follow rules. the true intention of the rules of the law was to give us a life that would be overflowing with joy and blessing and draw us close to god and so the rules are meant to 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 be a Oh, don't do this, or you're a terrible person. It's, you can't do this. You are a terrible person, but God is great. You didn't see that one coming. But, right? But, no, to say that we could never measure up, but Jesus is showing the true intention of the law. It was meant to draw us close to God, to teach us the character of God. It wasn't meant to keep up, put up boundaries to prevent people From from doing what they had to do to live, to survive. It was meant to 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 save life, not end life, as Jesus said. And not only that, but Jesus is comparing himself to David. He's saying, Look what David did. How could Jesus say that? David was the greatest king of all time of Israel. Jesus really saying, There's someone here who is greater than David. He's calling himself the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is, is setting up who he is. He has the right to eat the grain. And the, the right to eat the grain is what God wanted because it saves a life. It doesn't end a life, right? And he's saying this. The intention of Sabbath was not made, uh, was not Sabbath for man, but man for Sabbath. God instituted Sabbath so that people would have rest from their work and time to devote to Him, to be close with their families and enjoy a moment and sit back and rest in what all that God has done. And we're going to dig a little deeper into that, but I want to keep reading chapter three, verse one. Again, He entered the synagogue and a man was there with a withered hand and they watched Jesus to see whether He would heal Him on the Sabbath. So that, so that it's telling us why are they watching Jesus? so that they might accuse him. They do not have the best intentions. And he said to the man with the wither hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or do harm, to save life or kill? But they were silent. They knew the answer. They didn't want to give it because it didn't line up with what they wanted. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. Why is he grieved? Because they would rather kill life than save life on the Sabbath. They would rather people suffer on the Sabbath just so that they could say they followed a rule rather than doing what the Sabbath was intended in the first place. Jesus, he was grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. What did the Pharisees do when they saw the kindness of God? Because it didn't line up in what they thought should be done. It didn't line up with their rule following. They go to the Herodians who are actually, their like enemies. The Herodians were a political class of people who were allied with Rome. Pharisees hated Rome. They were hoping for a Messiah who would defeat Rome. And here they are going to the Herodians to do what? To plot the murder of a man who just helped somebody. Who disobeyed the Sabbath? It wasn't Christ. It was not Christ. What was Sabbath intended for? Where is Jesus getting all of this? That Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And that it's better to save a life than to kill a life. I think he's looking at all of the Sabbath of the Bible. The Sabbath began. It was first instituted by God on the seventh day of creation. He created the world. He created the heavens in six days and all that was in it. And then on the seventh day, it said he stopped working and he rested. What does that mean, that God never did anything again? He never planned on lifting a finger again? No. That the work of creation was done, and now entered a new season of time that was about enjoying and relating with this creation, that was about interacting with, with his people that he made. It was now about resting and, and, and being satisfied with what he had done and enjoying it with Adam and Eve and their descendants. It wasn't about the ceasing of all uh, work. It was about the new beginning of a new type of living, a living that was, that was uh, embodied with rest, that now we lived lives of rest in all that we did. It actually, in, in the first six days, it says there was morning and night, right? And then in the last seventh day, it never says there was morning and night. Why? Because many scholars believe because the Sabbath day was not supposed to be one day. It was supposed to be a continuing time. It was never supposed to end. They were supposed to live in Sabbath rest for the rest of time. People with God, enjoying his creation, doing what he asked them to do, being close and near to him. It said that God walked in the garden with them. They lived with God. They lived for the purposes of God. They were satisfied in God. They had all they needed. They were to live in Sabbath rest, but sin broke that relationship. And then many, many, many years later, as we get to Moses, as we just see the downfall of humankind and violence and corruption expands greater and greater and greater. God restarts with Noah, and then it gets worse again, and greater and greater and greater. We get to Abraham, and there's a promise for one day that God, his people, his family will be a blessing to all the nations. They'll have a land, and, and they'll be a great nation. And, and then we get to his descendants, the people of, uh, of Israel, and Moses is leading them into the wilderness out of slavery from Egypt, and, and they're walking to the promised land, and in the wilderness, this band of slaves that God has called out, he's made them his own, and he's, he's, he's uh, organizing them as a people by giving them his law and giving them his instruction, really just giving, him his, giving them his character, and, and, and what we see is that he institutes Sabbath on the seventh day of the week, right? One of the Ten Commandments, they were to stop working, And it was a way to recognize that their lives did not depend on themselves, but they were to stop and depend on God on the seventh day. And it was also a time to enjoy all that they worked for the first six days. All of the grain that they gathered and all of the houses, maybe the house that they worked on and and all of the different jobs that they did, they were able to stop and enjoy that work on the seventh day. It was a time not to stop and sit in the room in the dark. It was a time to, to, to enjoy and delight, not just in, what, in their families and, and in, their, uh, in their community, but with God. Amen. It was a time to read the law to their children? and, 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 and it was a time to, to, to think about God and sing and sing the different hymns? and it was a time to be with Him.? Right? It was a time of Sabbath rest, that seventh day that God had instituted. Right, with the, with the Ten Commandments. And we see that the people, as years would go by, they failed to keep the law that God had instituted. And they even failed to, to, to take advantage of the day of rest because they didn't depend on God, they depended on themselves. And as years would go by, God said, I'm warning you, I will, you will be punished if you don't stop because we made a promise in Sinai. We made a promise in the covenant. That if you obey my laws and keep them, you will be blessed. But if you don't, you will be cursed and you will be exiled. And God prolonged it, but he eventually had to exile them. And they no longer enjoyed Sabbath rest. It's actually so cool. In the prophets, it says that, that the land now had Sabbath rest from the people because they wouldn't obey the Sabbaths. And then, and then we see that the prophets begin to, as they're in exile and they're broke, and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Isaiah and Zechariah and Amos and, and all these prophets, they begin to prophesy about a future time, about a time where they would experience Sabbath rest. About a time where, where there would be enough food to eat and there would be justice and, and, and there would be um, a nation and there, they would be, uh, have a king who loved them and did the right thing and, and, and it would be a time where they would obey the Sabbath and, and all these different things and, and they, had a, they had a future vision from God of, of what life could be like, of what life will be like after the exile, after the punishment. And we find in Jesus the beginning of that Fulfillment. That Jesus, as He comes and as He goes into the wilderness to defeat the thing that started this, to defeat the sin which first broke the relationship in the Sabbath rest. And, and, and Jesus, as He began to heal, giving windows of heaven, showing people that, that suffering and pain and, and sickness will not last forever, though it is here and now, and we face it, and it's brutal. It is not something that we will experience for all time. Jesus is giving us windows, snapshots of what the future holds to draw us close to him and trust in him. The main command of of the book of Mark is found in 115. Chapter 1, verse 15, believe and repent. Believe and repent. And the message of Jesus, because he offers Sabbath rest. And Jesus, He he heals the man, He forgives the man, He, He sits with the sinners. They don't have to fast while He's with them. Why? Because they while Jesus was with them, they entered into a time of rest. Jesus was beginning the eternal Sabbath there and now. We have a peace of the true sabbath rest with us it's our relationship with jesus in the first time that jesus came on the earth he died on the cross so that sin could be forgiven and the broken relationship between god and people could be mended so that we could know god and love god and be loved and be known and then it says that he will come again And when he comes again, he will enter us into the full Sabbath rest that we're beginning to experience now, which is a time that Revelation 21 and 22 outline, where there will be no sickness and death and pain and mourning and crying and weeping. It will be a time of full rest. Jesus has begun what will last forever. And though we've just tasted the beginnings of it, we will one day experience it all. It's called the now, but not yet. But we have, Je- we have Jesus now, but we'll experience it all one day. We do not have it yet. And behind this all is that you cannot earn Sabbath rest. The purpose of the Sabbath is to teach us that the satisfaction we find in life, the truest cry of our hearts, we cannot satisfy. It can only come from God. It can only come from his work. It can only come from his presence in our life. It can only come from his wisdom on how to live. It can only come through his friendship. It can only come through him. Jesus came to earth to offer us forgiveness of sins, but not for the sake of just forgiveness of sins but so that we could live with him and be with him and experience the life that he offers. That life is the Sabbath rest. Jesus is the Sabbath rest. He offers us his peace. He offers us his truth. He offers us his eternity. Jesus came to give rest to all people who've been yearning for it since the beginning of time, which sin had broken. And while the Pharisees were worried about keeping rules, Jesus was worried about restoring people. I was um, when I was preparing this message. I first gave this to the youth group, and uh, one one of the weekdays, I was I was I was working through it, and I was eating lunch and. I was eating yogurt with granola, my favorite. Lunch. I love yogurt and granola, no lie. It's my favorite. And I'm eating my yogurt, I'm eating my granola, and, and I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking about these things, and, and uh, my bowl ended up being empty. And I'm looking down, and I'm like, man, that was fast. I ate that really fast. And I'm like, man, I'm so hungry still. I am so hungry. And it just, like, hit me. It was like, I knew that God was speaking to me, and he's just like, yeah, but you're still hungry for other things as well. I'm still hungry for total peace in my life, and I'm hungry for friendship, and I'm hungry for importance, and I'm, I'm hungry for peace of mind, and I'm hungry for justice, and, and I'm hungry for God's love, and I'm hungry to be forgiven of sin. and that Sabbath rest. That the hunger within our hearts would be satisfied. It's not that we're distracted from all of our worries. It's that we understand our worries and we're still at peace because we have him. We know the future that holds. We know that he's with us. We know the truth. We know we need to repent and believe in him, to follow him. There's nothing you can do. You can't work enough hours in the week to be satisfied, to earn rest. There will always be more. There's a, I, I said, I don't know how many hours in a week in first service, and, but if I knew, that's how, even if you did them all, someone told me, there's 160 hours, 168 hours in a week. If you worked every single one of those hours, you would still not have rest, <coughs> sorry. You would still think I need to do more. It doesn't matter how well you, you, you serve your family and how many meals you cook or how many, how many things you do around the house or, or how many bedtime stories you read or, or whatever it is, you still will not be satisfied. You'll still be hungry to be better, to do more. You'll say, man, I, I just, it's not enough. It doesn't matter how much money you make. You can make all the money in the world. At the end of it, you'll still say, I, I'm still hungry. I'm not satisfied. I don't have peace yet. And Jesus, what he's saying is is the hunger that you have within your souls cannot be satisfied with what you can do and what you can have in this world. The hunger you have for true rest can only be found in me. Right? That's what he's saying. That we would look to him and we would see the life, the death, the resurrection and the ascension of Christ. And we would know that he's with us even now to walk with us and to speak to us and to offer us a future beyond this. We haven't experienced true rest. Yes. Yet we've experienced a taste of it, that our sins would be forgiven and that we could talk to God and be sure of our future. But the future still awaits in in the pains of life, the pains of sin, the pains of suffering, the pains of sickness, the pains of death. It will come to an end. And the joy and the strength and the the peace that we have is tied to the the trustworthiness of Jesus. That he is my Sabbath rest, not, not, not just yet. Not just now, but forever. And what are these sources of unrest? I thought of the family pains. I've just seen in my own experience just how many kids are out there who have broken parents. Just they they deal with brokenness in their homes, whether it be abuse or unlove or neglect, and. Or maybe just whatever it might be. And I see that these parents, I mean, these kids, they they have a pain that not everyone can understand. And there's a brokenness because of a lack of love in their lives. And my heart goes out to them because it's only Jesus that can heal that pain and surround them with people who love him and will love them. And I think of the different foster families that I know even in this, even in this church who, who are offering Sabbath rest to these kids who are loving them in the broken situation that they're in. Jesus is using them to bring Sabbath rest, to be a glimpse of the rest that he'll offer forever. I think of bullying our kids, there's so much bullying in the schools, and so much of it is even online, and, and I think it magnifies it, because when you don't have to be face-to-face, you're more prone to say worse things, because you're not held accountable. And even face-to-face, the things that I hear, kids telling me what they go through, that if they don't wear the right clothes, or say the right things, or or fit in the right way, or, 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 or have the same hobbies, or whatever it might be, that they're basically like exiled from their, from their communities. They're like outcasts. They're made fun of. They're beaten up. They're, it's terrible. I heard there was a kid, I think it was, in, I forget what state, but there was a kid bullied so bad, they beat him and he died the last couple weeks. What is this? And I, I look at these kids who are broken. I had, one, I had one student come up to me and say, Sam, someone's they're really bullying me. And just tears in their eyes. They're saying, I just want them to know Jesus so that they could, they could stop and they could, they could experience him. And my heart broke, man. How, what do you do when, when a 12-year-old tells you this? I'm like, you're amazing. You have Jesus. Jesus offers them satisfaction. Jesus offers these kids acceptance and love and joy with direct communication and prayer and reading the word but also through God's people surrounding them showing them what it's like to be friends and what it's supposed to be I thought of some of you know the pain of our own evil of our own sin and it's caused broken relationships and friendships and it's caused even a, a financial problems uh, Problems and it's caused all different uh, family problems and, and our own sins have broken our lives at times and they it's beaten us down to a pulp and and I was thinking the only thing that can fix this is that Jesus comes and through His forgiveness and His love and His example and His presence. We're able to be forgiven and give forgiveness and share Sabbath rest to be emblems of his Sabbath rest. I was thinking about sickness that in this life, people are sick, people are in pain. And Jesus came and he began to heal the sick. He healed the paralyzed man. He raised the girl from the dead. But he did not end sickness and death in that moment. But he offered us windows into a hope that there's one who has more power than sickness and death. That there's one who can offer comfort and strength in the midst of it until the day comes where it will be ended. Jesus, he came with his Sabbath rest and he changed the world. He came with his Sabbath rest, and he and he's saying, "I'm enough. Walk with me, know me, accept me, repent." But where are the sources of Sabbath rest? I think some of you experience Sabbath rest when when you're turning on a worship song, maybe in the morning or maybe at night, and maybe in the car on your drive, and. You're able just to take a moment and sing and listen and pray and think about the things of God. Songs are amazing. And the Bible is full of songs. And when I'm reading how like the stories of the Bible are built, songs are incredible because they're, they're considered a pause in the storyline. It's when the, when the author stops pushing forward the narrative and he allows the character to express their feelings and oftentimes their thankfulness and summarize what God has done so far. Songs are incredibly important in the literature of the Bible and songs are incredibly important in our own lives because it's a pause. When you're singing, you're you're not doing your taxes. When you're singing and and you're you're, you're taking a pause from all the worries, your mind is focused, especially in worship, on God and what he has done. It's a time to summarize what he's done. It's a time to be thankful. It's a time to cry out and tell him what you need. It's, It's a time to connect with him. It's a pause in your own life to be with him. Worship is a time to experience Sabbath rest. Some of you may get Sabbath rest by walking outside and looking at nature. It always blows me away thinking about how trees grew from a tiny seed like that big. Something 100 feet tall. Out in California, right, the sequoia trees, I think 300 feet tall, started from a seed planted in the dirt. But there was a design implemented in that tiny seed that took the nutrients from the soil and the water and it grew over the years. And there's something taller than this building, five times taller than this building. God is incredible. And if he's put that much detail into a tiny seed, has he not put that much love into me who, who or you who, who he's created in his image? Yes. Right? <laughs> Sabbath rest. As you're just walking outside, thinking, talking, praying. Laying out what's on your heart. Just maybe sitting and not thinking about anything. Just enjoying the moment. I thought about getting Sabbath rest while you're maybe doing yard work. Or, or you're, uh, you're, you're maybe uh, doing a puzzle or doing a hobby or doing something around the house. Everywhere I go, I, I'm with Jesus just talking. I'm just, I'm just letting out what's on my heart. Just enjoying the moment. In the back of my mind, knowing that everything I do, everything I have is from him, right? And it's just, man, I'm at rest. Knowing I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about hell. I'm not worried about, uh, I'm not worried about death. I'm not worried about all these different things because I have Jesus. And though life is hard, I'm not saying it's not hard, He's with me, and he's walking with me. He's my strength. It's this everything I do, I'm walking with Jesus. I have his Sabbath rest because he did the work that I needed, right? And I think there's another source of Sabbath rest, and I think it's that we can be like Jesus ourselves, and we can become Sabbath rest for others. My, my, my wife this morning, I was, I was uh, up prepping this this morning and, and uh, I heard the baby cry. I was like, oh no, I gotta still do this. And, and, and then I started hearing my wife get up and my wife hates getting up early. I don't blame her. If, if it's still dark outside, it's still nighttime. And, and she actually told that to Ellie this morning. She's gonna teach her about that. And, and so I, she got up. And I I I could hear her. Good morning, baby. Just the happiest voice as she walks into the room. Her eyes are probably still shut, feeling her way into Ellie's room. And I'm like, Oh, I'm at rest. My baby is taken care of by the best person I know. She's in better hands than mine. And I'm at rest. And then as I'm leaving, she's she's beginning to make lunch. She's getting lunch prepped and I'm at rest. She's giving me rest. She's a source of rest to me. I was thinking about my brother yesterday. Me and I was laying, I had to put some tile down on a floor and I was not looking forward to it. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't wanna do this. And my brother was talking to me. He He's like, what are you doing Saturday? I'm like, oh, I got to tile, the bathroom. My, dad, my brother's like, all right, I'll be there. I'm like, all right, that sounds awesome. And my, my brother's a busy guy and he doesn't even live close. He lives like an hour and a half away. And he drove down just to help me. And a day that could have been miserable, making bad cuts, chucking tiles across the room probably, (laughs) turned into a great day because I was hanging out with my brother. He was cutting, and I was laying, and and we were just working as a team, and he's got me all pumped up, and he's helping me, and I was at rest the whole day. Even though we were working, I was at rest because he was there. He was the Sabbath rest for me because he had the love of God. It was a sacrifice for him to give up his Saturday but he did it because he loves me, but because he knows Jesus, and he's been called to live and love like Jesus and source of Sabbath rest. Who can you be a source of Sabbath rest to? To embody the message of Jesus in your words and actions, to make their day easier, to give them a moment. And at times, I know I, and as well as you, we lay in bed with our eyes open thinking about all the worries of life and they're real and they're, and they're heavy. I don't want to diminish them at all. It's our life that we're talking about and, and we're up thinking about the ones we love and we're up thinking about the things we need to do and we're worried. Ah, maybe I should just get up and do it. Maybe I should just get up. And, and I think Jesus is saying to us, there's nothing you can do to earn Sabbath rest. Sabbath rest comes from believing and repenting in me. Sabbath rest comes from knowing me. Sabbath rest comes from surrendering to the word of God and saying, God, I'll allow it to change my life. Sabbath rest coming, comes from knowing there's nothing I can do that will satisfy all the desires in my heart, but God will. God is enough and you fall back asleep. God cares deeply for us. We're simply just workers of God. We're simply just children of God, servants of God. We are his people. And Jesus came for us as he came for others so that we would experience him in his Sabbath rest so that we wouldn't just have to distract ourselves with different ways of entertainment or hobbies. Or, and I'm not saying those things are great when we're in the right mindset, but when they just become escapes to our real troubles and worries, that's not rest. True rest is when you know everything in your life and you're still at peace. You're not trying to forget things and escape things. You're taking a break from things because you know God is good enough and he's with you. Do you have Sabbath rest? Jesus came to offer us right now a restoration of the relationship that was broken, to know him even in the troubles of this life. But he's coming again one day to offer us a restoration of this world where the troubles and the pain and the brokenness and the sin and the death and the tears in the morning will not continue. And we live with that hope every day. I'm gonna invite the worship team up. My request is this, that you take a moment. You take a moment through the week. It doesn't have to be on Sunday, but Sunday's a great day. It could be on Saturday, it could be any day. And you take a break and you sit in God's presence whether you're walking, whether you're doing a chore, whether you're, whether you're uh, whatever it might be, driving, and you, you recognize that Jesus is enough. And you take all of the different worries of your life and you put them into perspective with the promises of Jesus, that he's with you, that he's promised to, to walk with you, that he's promised a future one day where it will, the troubles will end, and you take your problems and you put them into perspective, not to diminish them, but to recognize that Jesus is greater, that Jesus is near, that the invitation is open. Enter into the rest of Jesus. He is the true Sabbath. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, and we offer ourselves. And God, in return, you offer us rest. That, God, you forgive sin. We couldn't earn it. You did. And you give it freely. And that, God, you promise us eternity with you. And we couldn't earn it, but you give it freely. And, God, you're with us every moment of every day for the rest of our lives. And we couldn't earn it, but you give it freely. And I pray, dear Jesus, that we would live lives of rest, even in the unrest of this world, that we would be living prophecies of a future day, that we would be living examples of you that would inspire others to join. God, give us rest. We need you, Lord. Bless us this day. And if today you're saying, I want that rest, but I don't know Jesus yet. I I haven't believed and repented. Well, then all you have to do is believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he rose again, and he's alive today, and he did it for the forgiveness of your sins, and that he's with you every step of the way, and you repent of your sin, and you say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I'm sorry for what I've done, and and I want to become more like you. He forgives you, but let's just say a prayer. If you want to repeat after me, just to, to make it a moment, repeat after me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe in you. I trust in you. I want to know you. Lord, may I have your rest. Amen.